Welcome to the Mimi B Podcast. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard, and this podcast is designed to help you become the best version of yourself possible. This podcast will motivate you and give you the tools that you need to get to where you want to be. Hey guys, this is part two of my series with Kelly Levesque. Please make sure to go listen to part one before this episode so you just can understand where we're going to with all of this. It's going to sound a little bit random if you just start listening now. So make sure to go listen to part one to hear all about Kelly Levesque, who she is, what she is doing, and also her views on the low-carb paleo diet versus the high-carb vegan diet, her views on fat loss, and how she gets her celebrity clients in shape before red carpets, and the importance of protein for healthy hormones, and so much more. So go listen to part one before tuning into this app and enjoy. Okay, so two questions. Number one, I want to talk about fruit in more depth. Like I 100% feel better when I'm not eating a lot of fruit, but then there's another side to me that like really craves fruit sometimes. And I'm like, oh, it's like, you know, we're humans. We're supposed to eat these beautiful, colorful, tasty foods. Like I'll just have it. And then there's another part of me that's like, okay, I'm just going to have a little bit in my smoothie and put protein in there to balance that, which is what I, that's like my typical, the third me is my my most typical me. And um, yeah, like which one, like, A, let's talk a little bit more about uh, fruit and B, like, is it better when mixed with a protein and see how much is okay? Okay. So this is, this is such a great question because this is exactly how I would work with a client. So first and foremost, there are no rules, right? Um, And what I think, what I want you to do is forget everything that anyone's ever told you about fruit being good for you, bad for you, whatever. Let's just go through the basics. Fruit is from nature right? It's very obvious to humans because of its color and its taste that it's food for us, which just like in our evolution, understanding that is really important. Um, Your cells have the ability to burn that sugar that you eat as fuel. And in fact, it it will choose to burn that sugar first and foremost because it burns it quickly and it's fast. It's not a lot of energy for our body to do that, which is pretty cool. So when I look at fruit, there are a couple ways that I would talk to you about eating it. So if you were to have fruit with a meal that had like protein and fat and fiber or whatever, like in your smoothie, I would just say the most important thing is that on balance, that meal has more protein, more fat and more fiber so that it's not just a blood sugar spike and crash. Because if the goal of that smoothie is for it to be a meal replacement for your breakfast, then I'd want it to get you to lunch. And so what I would look at is say, I don't want you to have, I don't want that whole blender to be full of fruit because that will on that will actually cause your blood sugar to cr- spike up for about 90 minutes and crash down for about 90 minutes. And at the three hour mark after that smoothie, you're going to be really hungry, maybe a little shaky, irritable, craving food, kind of just really coming down off that crash. So let's make sure that that morning shake, if you do add fruit, is a balanced serving and you really have what you need, which you know, the food groups or the the categories that regulate hunger hormones, which is mostly protein and fat. Plus, um, we, we I talk about fiber and grains too. That's the other part of the fab four, but that's because it stretches your stomach. So a lot of people don't realize, but physically stretching your stomach, you have stretch receptors in your stomach that regulate a hunger hormone called ghrelin. So if your stomach is stretched, ghrelin stops being produced in your body. And ghrelin is this hunger hormone that I say 
tell my clients it makes them want to eat like a gorilla. Like they just want to graze all day long. And ghrelin. Ghrelin. <laughs> yeah, ghrelin is like the gorilla hormone. We're just grazing, 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 right? So the thing that you need to do is you want to remember if you want to just have meals and not snack, you need to eat meals that create the stretch of your stomach. They need to have fiber. You need veggies. You need weight. You need girth. So when people get really excited about juicing or making a smoothie that's super thin or having like a small bar, like we have to remember that that's just putting off the inevitable of you're going to need to eat a real meal that actually fills your body eventually. And so Mm -hmm. if you're white knuckling it to get to that next meal, it's not creating balance in your body. It's actually creating more stress. And what we found um, in research is that low, like eating low calorie um, doesn't regulate, doesn't stop hunger hormones, but fasting does. So I'd rather have someone shrink their feeding window and eat, say, between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. and don't eat outside of those hours than to eat from, say, 6 a.m. to 9 p.m., but just try to like lower their calories because that's them fighting their hunger hormones all day long. Does that mm, make sense? Makes so much sense. So, so what do you think about like – having half a banana in a smoothie with some strawberries or like just not overloading it basically. Yeah. So, um, I created a smoothie formula. That's really what I'm known for. Um, fab four smoothie. Um, and it tells you, it, it gives you a formula to create a blood sugar balancing smoothie. And most of the time when I start working with clients, they're either never had enough protein for breakfast. They never know what it feels like to feel really full um, but not stuffed in a calm way. I think I kind of tell people it's like going to sushi. Like you don't feel, you don't feel so full, but you also feel nourished. And so that's the point of it is like really to elongate your blood sugar curve, make you feel full. And the majority of the time, I just have clients when they get started, just start with this first thing in the morning as their breakfast. And so the the formula is 20 grams of protein, one to two tablespoons of fat, one to two tablespoons of fiber, and a couple handfuls of leafy greens. And then when it comes to fruit, it's optional. In fact, I have like half the smoothie uh, recipes in my book don't have fruit in them. There are recipes like chocolate almond butter, snickerdoodle cookie, cookies and cream. Like they taste like dessert, but they're not, they don't have any fruit. Now, if you do add fruit, I tell you to keep it to a fourth to a half a cup max. And so That would be, if you were a banana strawberry person, I would say best rule of thumb for you would be to slice up those bananas, freeze them in your freezer, and keep a bag of frozen banana chips and add a couple to your smoothie because a little goes a long way. Um, And I want you to know what it feels like to feel really full and not stuffed, but like really nourished and satisfied on a biological level. Because like a lot of times when I start a client on the smoothie, they might have the smoothie at eight in the morning and I get texts at like one or two in the afternoon, like, should I eat? I ha- I'm not really hungry yet. Oh and that's God. the difference. Making the decision, making the choice to eat before you get to that point of feeling starving, you make way better nourishing choices for yourself and you're not playing catch up. So many times when people wait too long to eat and then they finally do eat, they could eat a whole big plate of food and not feel hungry and even wait 20 minutes to try and let their body regulate, like get the message that they've eaten and they're still like needing to catch up. And that's your brain. That's your brain overriding your body going like, if you're not going to feed me, I'm going to make it so you eat. And, and that's something to be aware of. So before we move on though, I want, I want to talk about if you were to have fruit, um, on its own, 
because this is a little bit of putting it on its head. And I'm going to show you how you can use it as a tool. So do you work out? Um, yes. Okay. What do you do for working out? Uh, I do. Well, my workout regimes really changed over the past year, ever since I had this big body revelation, health revelation. I used to do really, really intense, like, you know, weight workouts with my trainer, like hit sprints, like really intense, like Barry's boot camp vibe. And ever since the past eight months, I've been doing way different workouts. So really long walks, more like toning and like more feminine kind of like yoga, toning, long walks, like light runs, like just things that make me feel a bit better. And for me personally, it works really well. I still have friends that do their Barry's boot camp and, you know, thrive off of that. But for me and my hormones, it's been really great for me to like, you know, do just like more long, leaning workouts kind of thing. I love it. I love that you listen to your body. I love that you're not, you know, I think a lot of times people are trying to fight their body to get where they need to go. Mm, Exactly. That's what it was. I felt like I was fighting it and I was so freaking hungry all the time and I was eating so much food and I just was in this cycle of like working so hard. My fuse was burnt out and I wasn't looking or feeling the way I wanted to. And I was like, that's it. I'm just going to start being really kind to myself and, you know, listen to my body and do lighter workouts. And it's almost effortless how much my body's changed since. I love it. I love it. That's the way it should feel. Like it's pretty amazing when someone um, gets into the rhythm, gets into rhythm with their body and can really, really calm themselves. Um, And it's interesting because calming your body and then having your hormones catch up to that hormones like adrenaline and cortisol. I mean, sometimes it's six weeks, eight weeks, three months before we can see actual changes. But then once those changes occur, everything gets into everything like comes into line and it feels effortless, Mm. which should be the goal. Right. So I'm so glad. So when I think about that, like when you plan to work out, if you wanted to enjoy a piece of fruit on its own, I would just say, enjoy a piece of fruit, a serving of fruit. And a serving of fruit might be like, a cup of berries, uh, it might be a peach, it might be a, a whole banana, like a piece of fruit, right? But I would have it on its own. Now, this is kind of interesting and um, a little bit different. One, um, I would have it on its own because it's going to digest faster. But what's going to end up happening is your blood sugar is going to spike up fast. And then you're going to be able to clear insulin a little bit faster. So what you want to understand here is that our blood sugar goes up and crashes down on average three hours later, right? But if you, you, for example, went and just did a workout and then you left your workout and you're like, I feel like an apple. Like that sounds crisp and refreshing to me and like a piece of cold fruit sounds great. That's when I would have it. I would have it either right before or right after your workout. And right before, I mean like probably like an hour before so that that sugar is available for you as fuel for your workout. If you're having it like 10 or 15 minutes before your workout, you haven't even digested that fruit to be able to use that sugar as fuel. Um, And so the way that sugar works is our blood sugar goes up and then our, our body releases a hormone called insulin. And insulin's job is to help sugar get out of your bloodstream and into your cells. So it goes into your liver and it goes into your muscles. This is what carbo-loading is. So when you think about your muscles, these are these tanks that store sugar. So the best time to have sugar is sort of counterintuitive, but it's actually after you work out because your muscles are empty. You just used all of that glycogen or that stored sugar and you made space for more sugar. So you can Mm -hmm. store it in your muscles because there's space instead of 
But really quick question. If I'm trying to lose weight or if someone listening is trying to lose weight, wouldn't it be better to skip out on that fruit or carb post-workout so that your body burns more fat? Or does yeah. that not make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So that what what is important to realize is like you insulin is this hormone, it's the storage hormone. It's gonna tell your body to store the nutrients that you've eaten as fuel. Okay. Um, and if there's no space as fuel, it's gonna store nutrients as fat. And so when we when we're constantly having carbohydrates, and this is why when people you know, when, when people are living a vegan or vegetarian lifestyle and they're skinny, there are a couple reasons for that. Either A, they're genetically skinny or B, they're at a calorie deficit. You know, calories don't quote unquote count. I like hormones. I think hormones are queen because at a certain point, if you're constantly relying on calories and you lose muscle mass and you lose metabolism, then the calories are going to count again and they're going to it's going to be hard to maintain that. So I like to keep people in a place of understanding hormones because hormones means we are able to fuel our body without thinking about calories, without weighing our food, without overthinking anything. We can really tune into like our own intuition around food and we can stay balanced. And the way that we, way you would do that is by understanding the way insulin works. So let's say someone had a piece of gluten-free toast for breakfast, they had quinoa on their salad for lunch, and they had a sweet potato for dinner. Now, what ha- is happening at every single one of those meals is you're having a starch or a sugar that's going to be broken down into blood sugar, which means your body's going to release insulin. Now, insulin has the ability to last in your body for six to eight hours, and it's telling your body to store, not burn. So if someone has toast at 6 a.m., they may not be burning fat until noon. And then at noon, they have a salad with quinoa. They might not be burning fat until six at night. And then at six at night, they have their sweet potato for dinner and they're not burning fat till midnight. Or, and then they're like, oh, I find I feel like dessert and I'm going to have a piece of chocolate at like 10 o'clock at night or dessert, something sweet, a piece of cake or cookie or whatever. Then all of a sudden, we're not burning fat until early in the morning hours and we're only getting a few hormonal hours a day of fat burning. Mm, that makes so much sense. And you know, it's really inspiring me right now. I've, I've been in like a little bit of a rut recently, eating a little bit more healthy, quote, sugars and carbs um, than I'm used to. And I feel like it's really affected my energy levels and like my motivation even. And I'm usually such a focused, motivated person. And recently, I feel like it's just p- been taking way more effort to feel like I usually feel. And all of this that you're saying right now just makes complete sense. It's because I've been eating a little bit more quote healthy carbs than I usually do. And I know what I, I know how I need to eat to feel my best. And it's that higher protein, like higher fat diet. I used to be totally keto, like counting my macros. Like I went through a few months of that and it was really like intense, I think for me. And I know you don't recommend that. Like, what do you recommend if you had to label it? Would it be keto? Would it be paleo? Or would it be this like in between kind of, Kelly Levesque way of eating. Well, so this is the thing is the fab four is like my checklist. So if you eat protein and you eat healthy fats and you're eating non-starchy vegetables and forms of fiber like chia and flax and broccoli and zucchini and cucumber and, you know, carrot or whatever, and then you're having leafy greens like spinach and kale and basil and cilantro and all your herbs and all that, like that leans low carb paleo, right? Yeah. But 
my clients are allowed to eat grains. They can occasionally have dairy. They, it, 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 this, the fab four is your checklist. It's like, what should I have on my plate? What should be on my, what should be a part of my meal? Um, at every meal of the day. And what that allows for is allows for you to focus on the positive and focus on what you're putting on your plate. And then if you look at your whole day and let's say, for example, you had a Fab Four smoothie for breakfast and then you made a a big salad with some salmon and avocado for lunch and then three o'clock hit and you're like, "Mm, I'm jonesing for like a gluten-free cookie or like I made these like grain-free banana nut muffins because I'm stuck inside and I'm like cooking with my baby or whatever. Like that's my (laughs) life right now. I might say, okay, like I'm going to have that bite and I'm not going to feel bad about it because I look at that day and I say, I look at my day and I'm like, I didn't, I haven't been spiking and crashing all day long. And so I know I'm making a choice, not a cheat to be like, I'm going to enjoy this. And then I'm going to have like, you know, my lettuce wrap burger for dinner or um, you know, my zoodles and shrimp, shrimp scampi for dinner, something that may be a little bit lower carb. And I may use things like a keto chocolate that uses monk fruit or, um, or stevia, or I may use, uh, you know, a, a cup of hot tea or something like that. If I'm craving something sweet later, because what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to look at my day on average and make sure that I'm not shutting down fat burning all day. So on average, I would say when I think about carbs and starches, I'm thinking about adding whole food, whole foods first. So whether that's like sweet potato, butternut squash or spaghetti squash or berries, low guys, like low glycemic fruits, like berries, or maybe I'm adding like a little bit of apple or pear, like that would be my preference first line. And then second line would be using grain-free fun alternatives like a paleo bread or a keto chocolate or something like that because I know it's not going to spike my blood sugar as high even though it is processed. It's it's not going to have the effect of say having something made with a bunch of like honey or coconut nectar. You know, that's I think the hard part when you get into things that are quote unquote like gluten-free or even vegan is like they're, they're using rice flour and they're using coconut nectar and it's, it's diabetes in a prettier container. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so just be careful with that stuff. But I, on, on average, and I talk about it in my new book, Body Love Every Day, I talk about it all throughout. It's like, this is what the fab four is. I go chapter by chapter, protein, fat, fiber, and greens, like why you need it, how it works on your body by on a, in a biological way, and what benefits you'll see. And then the fifth chapter, well, it's actually the sixth because I talk about blood sugar in chapter one, but the sixth chapter is called the not-so-fab four. It's like, how do I still enjoy my life and have a brownie or a glass of wine when I want one and I don't want to feel like I'm on a diet? I, I don't want anything to be off limits. What I want you to know is the science so you can say like, oh, well, if I feel like having this crisp, cold apple right now in the afternoon. Like maybe I'll go for a walk and let's do a podcast. Maybe I'll do like a mini 20 minute flow or move my body or, or if you look at your day and you're like, I on par haven't had anything that's spiking my blood sugar crazy. I'll just have it because I didn't shut down fat burning all day. And my recommendation in my book is like, just pick when you're going to have it and just keep it to like one third of your day. Like don't have it all day long. Yeah, for sure. So if someone was going to buy one of your books, which one would you recommend? Are they both super different? Would, would you recommend uh, buying both and reading them in order? Or is the new one kind of the more updated one? Um, the first one is really the science of blood sugar, how your hunger, hunger hormones work, and introduction to the Fab Four 
and the fat force smoothie. Um, and I give some recipes. It's a, it's, it's half the length of the second book. The second book is more, um, your body, your body's biological need for all four of the fab four, like why you need protein, how much protein you need, why you need fat, how it works in your body, how much you need, why you need certain veggies and leafy greens and how they work in your body. Um, I think the second book definitely would explain a lot of what you got in the first book, but it's super condensed. It's like the cliff notes. It's the Kelly notes version. So a lot of people do buy both and read them in order. But if you just wanted to buy one, I'd buy the second because it's going to give you the cliff notes and then give you like action steps. Well, I'm for sure going to buy it. I'm so excited. I wanted to ask you before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you two more things. Um, Number one, I want to hear a day in the life of eating as Kelly. And number two, I want to pick your brain about stevia and those zero calorie healthy quote sweeteners like stevia and monk fruits. I know you just mentioned it before in like the keto chocolate term sense, but you know, I feel like I love it and I eat so much stevia, but how much is too much? And does it really do nothing to your blood sugar levels? Cause it's just like, it sounds too good to be true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So day in the life of me, um, I get up in the morning, uh, and I have a little one, so he's a little maniac. Um, and so I have a, a cup of coffee. Um, I used to be a two cupper a day where I'd have something in the afternoon, but I stopped that when I was pregnant and I haven't looked back. So let's, let's talk about that super quickly. Um, what do you think about coffee? Just kind of high level. Cause I've recently kind of put it on pause. I'm thinking of going back to it right now. What do you think about it um, affecting like your adrenals and stuff? Yeah. So um, any form of caffeine from, you know, coffee to tea to chocolate is going to have an effect on your body. So what ends up happening is if your body releases adrenaline, then your body and, and releases cortisol, uh, your liver takes stored sugar and dumps it in your bloodstream to give you energy. It's like the response to it. And so your blood sugar will go up a little bit and then your body release uh, insulin to put sugar away and your blood sugar will crash. So what I tell my clients is if you're having, if you're using caffeine as a way to um, like not eat as an appetite stimulant, and you're using it too often all day long, what's going to happen is your blood sugar is going to be affected. Your adrenaline, your cortisol is going to be affected and it's not going to get you the desired effect. Like I know you're trying to use it to like not eat because it's an appetite suppressant, but it's actually having an effect on your body's ability to burn fat. So when I have a cup of coffee, a lot of times I'll blend um, fat into it, like a, like a tablespoon of ghee um, or and sometimes a serving of plain collagen. And I'm doing that because I want to slow the metabolism of the caffeine so that it doesn't just hit me very hard. And I use organic pesticide-free light roast. So I'm looking for a lower caffeine option that doesn't – so like reasons why caffeine coffee is bad for you. If you're using really, really, really high caffeine coffee, like Bulletproof or Starbucks or something like that, it's going to have an effect on your blood sugar and your adrenals. Two, it would be a heavy, heavily pesticide sprayed crop. So if you can find a cleaner, even biodynamic, organic, pesticide-free, Thrive Market has a lot of great options. I think Thrive delivers to Canada too. Um great option. That's a great option. And then I would just make sure that you're, if you have it black, have it with breakfast, or if you have it on its own, blend it with um, a little bit of fat and that'll slow the metabolism of that caffeine and your body won't have that effect. 
literally writing all of this down, biodynamic, organic, pesticide-free, light roast coffee from Thrive Market. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, I'm going to totally do that. All right, so what do you typically eat for breakfast? Do you intermittent fast or do you just have breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And do you snack? I want to hear it snack. all. I don't snack really. Um, I would say 80 to 85% of the time I'm not snacking. My breakfast, so I have my coffee and it has a little fat in it. So that's like, you know, when we get up, six o'clock in the morning. And then, um, it's around nine or 10 that I have my breakfast, um, most days. And I would say if I were to really ballpark what my average eating hour is, it's 10 AM to 6 PM. Yeah. Sometimes 9 AM to 6 PM. It's like, you know, an eight or a nine hour feeding window. Um, and what I have is my fab four smoothie 90% of the time. And then I'm using a vanilla collagen protein, I use avocado or almond butter as my fat. I use chia and flax um, as my fiber and then um, a big handful of leafy greens. So sometimes that's chocolate protein with almond butter and flax seeds and, and spinach and it tastes like a peanut butter cup. And sometimes it's vanilla protein with avocado and chia and spinach and I'll squeeze a lemon in there and it kind of tastes like lemony avocado vanilla mm. cookie. It's like delicious. So those are my two that I really have on repeat all the time. Um, and if I don't have those, I'll have like a veggie scramble with with um, Vital Farms eggs and some avocado. Um, or if I have leftovers, there's an occasional time where at like 10 a.m. I have like lunchy type food. But most of the time it's my smoothie. And then I would say on average lunches at like 1.30, um, one. 1, one thirty, and that's um, always like a big fatty salad. So lots of salad um, with like salmon or um, hard-boiled eggs, egg salad, salmon salad, um, meatballs, kind of like whatever proteins I have left in the fridge. I love a lemon tahini dressing. I put that in my um, my new book. It's delicious. Um, like I said, I love like pesto, a chimichurri. I always kind of have a one or two bulk dressings or fat dips in my fridge. Cause I think that really makes a difference when it comes to eating like plain, like plain veggies, plain proteins. And again, like if I don't have a salad, I'm having like leftover hot roasted veggies and proteins and I'll like add a little side of greens, but, um, that's mostly lunch. And then dinner, I try to make it fun. Like I'll do lettuce wrap burgers. I'll do, um, kebabs, like lamb kebabs with the tahini. I'll do um, fake pad thai or shrimp scampi with zoodles. Um, my husband loves, he loves anything barbecue. So I use Thrive Market. They have a regenerative farm um, pork program. So I always get him their um, pork ribs and, and their bacon is delicious too. But when you think about it, it's about, it's not about the cow. It's about the how it's not about the pig. It's about like how the pig was raised and what it ate, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's the most important thing for me. And, um, and I'm just trying to have fun, like, and cook new fun things. Occasionally I will need a bridge snack between lunch and dinner. And what a bridge snack to me is is something that bridges me from, from lunch to dinner. If you could physically see the blood sugar curve go up and crash down, grow up and crash down. I'm trying not to have that snack be something that spikes me up. And so what it is on uh, most often would be like a handful of nuts, some clean jerky, 
um, maybe four ounces of protein that's still in my fridge. It might be a nut dip or like my avocado hummus, which is a bean-free hummus made with avocados and tahini and um, garlic and lemon. It's delicious with like mm. veggies, like fresh veggies. Um, like Why crudite, bean crudite. free really quick? Sorry, I'm asking you so many questions, but I just want to pick your knowledge. No, brain. <laughs> no it's okay. Um, I, I have no problem with beans and we have beans uh, in our refrigerator and my husband makes me make you know, black beans for when we make tacos. And I can't believe I didn't even mention that I have, I'm from California. I'm a SoCal girl who grew up at the beach. Like we have Mexican food three nights a week. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's just a little bit easier for me to digest. Like I do end up getting a little bit bloated with beans. And so I don't like to have them every single day, but I don't think that there's a problem with them. Um, per se, if you've grown up eating beans and I don't have a problem with beans, um, they, just are are harder to digest and the nutrients are locked up in anti-nutrients things like phytic acid so um it's not a deal breaker but i look at beans so if i think about the foods that i don't eat all the time like i don't eat beans all the time i don't eat i don't eat gluten at all i don't eat dairy very much um and uh, like sugar, or like processed carbohydrates. Like these are things that I think of, like I said, it's like the party plus one. It's like, you're going to the party, you get to invite a friend. Like, you know, it's not the main, you're, it's like a, it's like a fun addition. And so it's never, for me, it's never like my bulk protein. Like I wouldn't sit down to a Greek salad and be like, the feta is my protein. Or I wouldn't sit down to like, a meal and be like the black beans on my salad is the protein. Like I have vegetarian vegan clients who use those as a source of protein, but for me, um I really like different sources of protein and I use that as like a fun addition. Um just to make it make it feel more satisfying without the processed carbohydrates. A good example mm-hmm. would be like if you're having a lettuce wrap burger and you really miss the bun and you miss the cheese, like okay, put the put get like some pasture raised some good cheese and put like a slice of grass milk cheddar on your burger. And then you're going to feel like you're not dieting. Like it's really important for my clients to feel like it can be a lifestyle because the minute you start to feel like you're restricting or you're dieting, your brain will override and there will be a binge or there will be a break or there will be a time where you just kind of go crazy. And so what I'm trying to do is help people lean into being able to use certain like food groups as a way to satisfy them selves and not ever feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And you know, it, that's the way to be, you know, like the whole balancing that you have is it, it would really, you know, cure so many women from these eating disorders that we see so commonly in today's age. You know, I have, my audience is all young girls, as I was telling you. And like, it's constant. The questions that I get about like, oh, like how do I lose weight without being restrictive? Like, oh, like I have, you know, eating disorder uh, background, but I can't seem to lose weight without going back to those negative habits. Like it's a really, really current topic always with this kind of demographic. And I think what you're preaching is just so spot on and really would just help so many, so many people. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, it's, it's really, it is really tough. I have a lot of clients who are, um, you know, are uh, in their past life were, you know, dealing with eating disorders. And I think one of the best things I would recommend that they read my book, definitely in my first book, because I talk a lot more about restriction and eating disorder tendencies and things of that nature. And what I find with my clients is that the fab four, like just that like happy checklist, the problem with 
like eating disorder mentality is that everything is bad. Like they're remembering everything that's bad about something like, uh, you know, beans are bad because of this. Dairy is bad because of this. Gluten's bad because of this. Sugar's bad because of this. And the, the reality check here is that, um, these people are probably eating fairly healthy, but your body is capable of dealing with these molecules that you're eating. Like they're going to break down into protein, carbohydrates, or fat. Your body has the ability to burn these things, to use these things, to store these things, to get rid of these things. And you, it needs to not be so rule-based because that's the thing. Those are the things that create that tipping point of like, oh, I had a piece of pizza that's bad for me. I'm a bad person. It goes from guilt to shame and then it goes to a binge. And so mm. we, we need to break the guilt before it turns into shame and then a binge. And we do that by explaining, like I do that in my books by explaining that, you know, we're able, of, we're totally, we're human beings totally capable of, of metabolizing the food that we eat. And yes, we can nourish our body. So let's focus on nourishing our bodies. And you can look at your plate and let's say you had like salmon and broccoli and um, a good olive oil and like, you know, I don't know, a side salad or that like it came with some like basil and you have something green on your plate and you're like, okay, I'm like, I feel really good about myself. I, I nourished my cells. I nourished my body and the focus is there. Then it doesn't matter if you had a glass of rosé and a brownie at that dinner too. Like that's not what we're focused on. We're not focused on that. And if you continue to focus on the healthy things, those positive things, the good things that you're eating, that's what you crave eating over and over and over again. And you stop giving power to the foods that have power over you. Mm -hmm. And then once you stop putting those foods on a pedestal, it's not going to be this like really, you know, that this thing you just can't have that you really want. And it's like this internal dialogue inside of you saying like, oh, should I have it? Should I not? And then you have a bite and then you eat the entire thing and then you hate yourself. And that, that cycle is just so negative. And, you know, I've done a lot of like hypnotherapy and stuff around food and eating habits. Like I always kind of grew up, like I always looked quite like normal. I was maybe a little bit chubby when I was like growing up and stuff, but barely. Um, but I had really grown up with like negative eating patterns because of my mom, love her. But, you know, it was always in the house like, oh, this is the next diet. Oh, like this bad food is so bad, but it's so good. And like, you know, just that kind of really negative mentality. And uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing that's helped me is realize that food is actually it shouldn't be a box in our life it should just be something to help fuel us for our everyday being and it should be something we enjoy but it shouldn't be something that is this huge box in our life says my hypnotherapist it's not something we go to for emotional comfort it's something that we go to to feel good and to energize ourselves but it shouldn't be something that we go to for anything else right and i think that's something that most of us you know we, we got to realize well, it, I think your, um, you know, your hypnotherapist, your therapist is, is definitely right. It, it's very hard to untangle that though. When a lot of us are raised being rewarded with food, celebrated with food, you know, everything is about food and we, we teach our children to reward with food. We're like, Oh, you did a great job on that test. You need an ice cream. Oh, you kicked that soccer goal ball in the goal. And like you won the game, like you get a cookie, like it's, and then when we become, uh, you know, independent adults were like, Oh, I just aced my, you know, whatever college midterm, well, let's get some froyo, whatever. And then it becomes something where it's like, we know that it makes us feel good. It's our first drug as a child, sugar, processed carbohydrates. So like we can go to that later in life. And it's, 
it's one of the only addictions um, and uh, that we can't just abstain from, right? Um, yeah. Anything else you could abstain from, but it's really hard. And that's why eating disorders are so prevalent is because it does have an actual chemical effect in the brain, the release of dopamine, this happy hormone when you eat carbohydrates. And so, but what follows what follows that is actually an increase in depression and anxiety. So it's building, learning to have a good relationship with food is one of the hardest things that people can do, but leaning on diets and trying to find quick fixes instead of trying to create balance and nourishing your body and thinking about how you can nourish your body. Um, you're just putting off the inevitable because all these little short term diets are, you're going to, always be done with them. They're going to, there's going to be a day where you're like not going to be doing keto when you're 90 years old. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to get on board with like creating a good relationship with food. And so all I'm here to do with my clients and through my books is really to help people create a good relationship with food so they can focus on the good. It crowds out the bad. Eventually Mm -hmm. like those other foods don't have as much power over you and you can enjoy them occasionally without binging. Yeah, 100%. Well, on that note, this has been such an incredible episode. It went by so quickly. And that's when you know, it really was something that I was like, completely into the entire conversation. You are such a hub full of knowledge, Kelly. And thank you so much for your time and for letting the audience know, um, you know, all of your wisdom and, and your insights on all of this. Uh, Where can everyone find you? And where can they buy your new book? Yeah. So my book's everywhere. Uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Target. Um, I think at some grocery stores too. Um, uh, but online or in your local bookstore is great. And then I'm at kellylevesque.com is my website and my, all my social handles are at be well by Kelly. Love it. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Thank you.